Welcome to episode 44 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 5. We are one soul, one spirit, and together we are creating a library of stories. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, we have done it together again. This podcast now has over 6,000 plays, 6,016 and counting. And for that, I have to immensely thank all of my listeners. Also, I can't forget to thank the numerous monthly subscribers. It is due to your contributions that I can continue to enhance sharing life lessons. If any of you want to become monthly subscribers for any amount of your choice per month, please go to anchor.fm and click the support button with the dollar sign on it. Details are also in the show notes. And lastly, none of this would have been possible without our awesome guests, our awesome guests who give us of their time, their stories, and their knowledge in the form of life lessons. Over to introducing our guest for today. Our guest is a diversity and inclusion leader at Ernst & Young, With a focus on connecting people for success through professional networks, diversity conferences, and LGBTQ plus inclusion. I had the pleasure of working with her at Ernst & Young when I was the chairperson for Northeast of their families network. And today, I have the honor to invite her as a guest on our show. Everyone, please welcome Chris Crespo. Chris, welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It's an honor to have you on the show. We worked together and it was always so wonderful to be working with you. And then when I started the podcast, I always thought of you as a really good guest because I feel like you're a great storyteller. So welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you. And thanks, Mina, for having me. And I, I hope I can follow through with a, with a great story. So, Chris, before we start with your story, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Um, my, my name is Chris, as you noted, Chris Crespo. And in many respects, I'd consider myself a pretty, pretty blessed person. I'm in a great relationship. I have a wonderful family and friends. I have a long relationship previously that resulted in three wonderful young adult children. And they've all graduated college now, so I'm, I'm feeling confident about that as well. And I can even say I'm in good health and, and blessed with work that I, I love and enjoy. I have the privilege of working with people, empowering them, connecting them, really through that aspect of diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging. And lots of people have different variations of those words. But I get to work with people from a talent perspective in helping them to really achieve whatever their potential is through the workforce and and preferably using that diversity that they bring into the workforce as a unique aspect that can help them succeed. If, if you go back even further than what I do now, Brett was a tax accountant in, in the firm for EY, where we have about 300,000 people, and that is where I still am today. I, I tend to think that I kind of grew up into learning how to, to focus more on career development. And while I help people on a regular basis, the, probably the hardest person that I've had to help is myself. And I have to endorse that you do wonderfully what you do at EY, because I had the pleasure of being a recipient of that work. And also, you have a lot to be thankful for. Well, thank you. And it was great working with you. We worked together on the great things that we can do for families and caregiving. And I see you're still going about it today. So appreciate all you're doing too, and sharing these great stories 
and helping people see the benefit of that. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for those kind words. So Chris, knowing you, you have so many backgrounds and so many angles that you can come into this interview with. So tell me, which story have you chosen for us today? Well, I wanted to keep it personal. And as a result, I actually went back to a, a few years back and one that had to do with the relationship that I have with my mom and dad. And this is about as personal as it gets. And, and one of the first times I've shared this story, but I woke up one morning and went about my business on, a, as usual. When I realized I had a text message, I, I looked to my phone, realized I'd missed several messages, including a voicemail. And when I listened to that voicemail, I heard my father's voice telling me that my mom had had a heart attack. And it wasn't so much his message as it was the tone of his voice that truly scared me. He shared how she was okay. They were moving her to a hospital and he just wanted me to know that they were okay and that I didn't need to do anything. But his voice just had a different sound to it. I could hear how upset he was. The text message that I'd actually heard was my sister and my, my sister had actually spoken to him. She said, they're okay, Chris. We both knew that my mom and dad are fiercely independent. They were adamant about not wasting time or money and never wanted really any help from anyone. And while I was only 30 minutes away from them, our discussion was with my sister was really about whether I should go and see them, um, whether I should go and be at the hospital with them. Would that add to their stress level? Uh, or because they didn't want to be a bother? Or would they be concerned about me wasting my time? And that was literally the conversation we had. But I wanted to be there. And I wanted to hug them. I wanted to just make sure for my own eyes, see for myself. I didn't care if I was just sitting there all day. I wanted to see them. So I called my dad. He said everything exactly how my sister and I had talked about it. No, no need to waste my time in hospital. They were fine. But I told him I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. And I did. On arriving at the hospital, I went to the information desk, found the security guard who, when I asked him how I would find my parents, his eyes kind of got really wide. And I was like, well, this isn't your normal response. He pointed me towards the waiting room and he said, he's okay now. And so my heart's starting to beat a bit, but he said that when my dad had gotten there, that had trouble locating my mom. And my dad had heard them calling down to the morgue. And that was one of those moments where I felt my heart drop. Yeah. <laughs> ran to my dad, gave him a big hug, even though that wasn't something we usually did. And we talked a little, but we mainly then just waited. And when my mom got settled in, uh, I can say that I'd never felt as vulnerable as I did at that moment. Even through the birth of the kids, I, this, was, this was something very different for me but I saw it even more in my dad. This was his life partner that he'd had since he was 18. And it was a very, very sincere moment that we had together. He and I hadn't always gotten along. And I guess that's what I'm, this is the biggest part of the story that my dad and I had been very close when I was growing up, but we had grown apart when I'd gone to college. And that had really affected my self-confidence more than I'd even realized until that time. And we had, we, we'd shared a lot. We had that stubbornness. We were probably two of those people that were so much alike. We bumped heads because we were so much alike. Uh, we, but we shared looks, stubbornness, strong opinions, 
And he was always that tough guy that never cried. And he was always very principled as well. So if someone gave him too much change at the store, for example, he would go back into the store and give them the change back. Just one of those kinds of people. He'd always really stressed the importance, though, of hard work and living beneath your means. As an adult, I'd kind of gone a little bit of a different path. I, I had that white collar job that, that he didn't think was as hardworking as a blue collar job that he'd always seen. Mm-hmm. I am a lesbian and that was completely out of his scope of understanding. And, and then I had always provided my three kids with really opportunities that I'd say my father might've viewed as luxuries, spoiled mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. More in his words, I spoiled them. So I felt like conversations with him had been so difficult and I couldn't find that common ground with him. And the LGBT stuff just was always extremely awkward for both of us. Chris, but before you go any further, I have to ask you a couple of clarifying questions. So Mm -hmm. one, which phase of your life were you in when this happened? Were you still in college? Were you just, had you just started off and gotten married? What was, where were you? And so th- this was well into adulthood, and uh, we'll call it mid-40s. How's that? So that gets... Kids were already teenagers, and mm. so my kids were already teenagers. And uh, and I- I'd say the stress between he and I had probably been going on since I was in college. Got it. And that story that you said about your mom, it, it is a very frightening story. I just put myself in your place there and realized how panicked you must have been. What Did they finally find her? What happened there? Well, you, you know, that, and, and that to me was the beauty. They found her. She was totally fine. They had just rushed her into surgery and uh-huh. someone had, had messed up on the paperwork, on getting the paperwork in. She came through with flying colors. And it actually, it turned into that point in time where my dad and I started realizing what was most important. And it was one of those things that that helped us get past a lot of our differences of opinion and really start finding those things that we could share more commonly. You know, those, whether it was his passion for the stock market or uh, updates on, on the kids or stupid jokes, all of those things we started sharing more and more of. And I'd say that that also became a, a big piece of me really reconnecting with both of them and so it and did. It's one it, of those I was glad I went. <laughs> it did change your relationship with your dad, is what you're telling me. It totally did. And I think it actually, not to get ahead of you, but I think that was the life lesson for me was tomorrow's not a given for any of us. And even though my parents were young, they're just 20 years older than I am. And so I was not ready for a major health, health fear. But, but during that, You've got to trust yourself, listen to your own needs, and prioritize prioritize what you need. At that moment, I needed to be with my parents. I, I know sometimes it's easy for, for us to put everything else first and not put our own needs first. And this was one of those moments when I realized that I had all of the reasons why I shouldn't go and why I knew my parents probably didn't even want me to go. <laughs> but... I needed to be there with them. And then when I was there, it changed everything just because I was there. And I didn't even have to say anything or do anything. And I'm sure you thanked yourself several times for listening to your gut. It was the start of me doing that, actually. 
I think because that was such a positive experience and in, in reconnecting with my mom and dad that I actually started doing more of it, listening to myself more, reflecting on what I needed. The feeling, actually feeling the vulnerability of that. This was several years ago now. This is almost 10 years ago now. And when I look back at that, I still feel it. The mm -hmm. vulnerability of that moment, I, I can still feel. And I think that sometimes we try not to remember those bad feelings or those feelings that made us feel vulnerable. But when you actually feel something that deeply and you embrace it and you look at how you want to do things differently as a result of it, little things like taking the time to do something important to me now is so much more a part of my life. I want to take a walk, I take a walk. Granted, COVID has made things a little complicated these days, but I had really lost touch with taking care of me in that busy day-to-day -day need to get things done and in taking care of everyone else. I hadn't, I wasn't taking care of myself. Okay. So I, I love dad stories, Chris, because I have so many stories to tell about my dad, who may his soul rest in peace, passed away in 2015. Mm -hmm. And he was my first adult role model. And I continue thinking that he is my role model and my guardian angel. I still feel his presence and I still feel his little messages and his little uh, teachings ring in my ear when I'm about to do something and I don't know how to do it. I can actually hear his teachings in my ear. So thank you for sharing with us that story because uh, to me that touches the heart. But tell me, what other life lessons have you learned from this? Besides, I know you said, listen to your gut, I've heard you say, take care of yourself. And yeah. one other thing that I heard, and I don't know if you meant that to be a life lesson, but be okay with being vulnerable. Yeah, that, that is actually a, a big part of it. And I was trying to figure out how best to explain it when I was thinking about telling my story. And I think it ended up coming out better than I had actually even thought it could. But there's a there's a lot that when you listen to, to Brene Brown, mm -hmm. she has amazing stories along the lines of vulnerability. And I've seen leaders be vulnerable that I work with and how much more effective they are when they've shown just a little bit of themselves and how, how something made them feel as a part of whether it's a teaming exercise or whether it's sharing something deeply personal that helps to form them. And it opens up relationships in ways that, that you'd never believe, whether it's with clients or business or team members. It, it, it is amazing to see. So I shouldn't have been so surprised when I actually saw this happen in my own life with my own parents, right? But I, I think in part, there's, you have vulnerability playing in there. And it almost, in some respects, too, comes back to the old adage, uh, when you're on the airplane and they say, put your own mask on first, you know, you, you do have to acknowledge what you're feeling. I'm not getting enough oxygen. You know, the light's on. <laughs> uh, you, you, have to, you have to know what's going on around you before you can even put the mask on sometimes. And, and then once you put that mask on, you can better take care of the people around you too and help them put their mask on. So it, it has helped me as, as I've moved forward, even in the role that I have at work. And I'm curious, your parents, you said, were fiercely independent. Yes, still then, <laughs> And at that moment in time, your father became vulnerable before you, too. So 
I'm sure he realized too that it's okay to be vulnerable and he does not have to be. So tell us how that changed. Did that change at all? And then did his viewpoint about you don't have to waste your time, did all of that change or is it still ongoing? Well, he, he still is, a, I'll say, very minimalist in that you don't waste time or money. Or on it, There definitely is a line there. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, though, that while he's still the tough guy that doesn't always crack a smile until you leave the room, you see more of him now come through. And he, he actually tries. <laughs> he tries to have those conversations now, even though he's the first one to turn away if it starts to get too touchy-feely. Mm, and tell us something about your mother. You haven't spoken um, much about her. Mom was there for the whole thing. And, and it's, it's funny. She has always been the quiet giant in the room that, that patches things up when my dad, the bulldozer, comes through. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, she's always smiling and saying, he loves you. He's proud of you. And, you know, don't ever doubt that. But sometimes when we have, when we have strong figures in our lives, like my dad, who, who really do seem larger than life and sometimes a little gruff on the exterior, it, you, you almost need that counter as well. I, I laugh because as much alike as I am with my dad, I'm probably, I probably look more like my dad and act more like my mom in the long run. I'm thinking that's the perfect combination. Best of both worlds. So tell us more, Chris. What else can you tell us? Any other life lessons that you're bringing to us? Know yourself. And that's the hardest lesson there is. And it sounds to me so easy sometimes when I'm talking to anyone, even about what they're doing with their career or what they're going to do with their spare time, even it's what's it, what interests you, what gives you energy. And when you think about the things that give you energy and that you're excited about, or the things that you're going to do when you first wake up in the morning that are more exciting and that make you feel just good to go do. Those are the things you need to find ways of doing more of them. And I think that's why when I look back to that time, I actually think it was a, a door opening for me too. And in that I hadn't been listening to myself. I hadn't been really thinking through what I needed. But when you start thinking about those things that give you energy, you suddenly start doing more of them and, and, and applying more of it. So I hike a little bit more now. I take the time to read that book. I, I have my gratitude app. I'm still not good at meditation. I still keep trying. But it's one of those that, that I think is better for me than what I can appreciate right now. How, how's that for a mm-hmm. good way of doing it? We'll take but that. I, it's, an, it's a thing, too, of... When I think about the things that I I feel better after doing them, those are the kinds of things I want to fill my life more with because they give me more energy to do more and fit in more of those things that that are important to me. Also, because you're doing what you really like and that gives you more energy, you're always spreading to others. But now with taking care of yourself, you're spreading to others more and better. And that's the whole whole point of all of it, right? You know, that, that put the oxygen mask on first story, it ends up being, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of others? Because it's really easy to give advice and it's really easy to even to, to tell kids as, as a parent, this is what you should do. And the harder part is actually embedding it in your own life in ways that, that really do help you take advantage of, of the great lessons that you've learned. 
So this is a perfect segue to the next question that I was going to ask you. <laughs> oh, no. And that is, there are many out there who are inundated with their day-to-days and family, work, themselves, parents, grandparents, whatever it is, like religious duties, there's so much going around and, and they're so busy, but they, they need that one way to get out of the routine and do what you did. Now, without them having to go through that (laughs) incident that you went through, can you give us any guidance on how can they break through from that? And what are the little things you did for yourself to start taking care of yourself? And I'm going to say, first and foremost, get yourself some good friends that are going to be honest with you. And if it's not friends or family members, find a therapist, someone who can honestly help you look in that mirror. When I looked over everything in, in my life, there were a lot of things I was proud of, a lot of things I wasn't proud of. And at the same time, there were some things that I didn't even realize I was doing. And I had a few friends basically say, what are you doing? You're not the person that we used to know. To reframe it all, have a couple of really good friends that are going to to ask you the tough questions of, are you where you want to be? And are you doing what you want to do? And be the same kind of friend to them. Because when you're doing that for your friends and you have that one or two friends, you can truly have those deep conversations. This is what I'm happy about. This is what I'm not happy about. You can really help each other in, in figuring out if you're living the way you want to live. I truly like that. Truly. Just have few people who can show you the mirror. Even sometimes your kids do that for you. They are amazing when you listen to them in that way. And, uh, you you know, even as I was thinking through this in in this podcast, I actually turned to my daughter and and said, here's what I'm thinking. And and she laughed at me and and told me a couple of things. Nah, that's not really, that's (laughs) not really good to share. Or this is, this was a good story, mom. Why didn't you share more about this? And I, I think that our kids often see a lot more than what we realize they are seeing. And they learn from us by the things not only that we're doing and the things that we're saying, but also by the things we're not doing and the things we're not saying. And uh, whether they're, whether they use that for manipulation purposes in the teenage years or, or they can, they can be kind of a voice of reason for you too. A lot of that comes down to us taking all of that input in and recognizing when it can actually be helpful to us. Agreed. What else did you do for yourself? For, for me, it was exercise. I had stopped truly exercising and enjoying myself. I used to bike ride all the time, especially as a kid, and I hadn't done that for a long time. So I got back on the bike, got, got back into walking and, and just getting myself uh, into, into better shape. And that, to me, was a real release. I mentioned this year has been kind of an interesting year while we've all had COVID going about. I also learned back in January that I had breast cancer. And so I went through a very scary time with, with that as a, I'll call it a deep reflection point of where I, am I, am I at where I want to be in my life? I'm very know. sorry to hear that. I didn't know this. So thank you for sharing. 
Well, the, the good news is that if you're going to get a kind of cancer, I had the best kind that you can get for a good prognosis. And here we are a few months later, the, the treatments all went well and the news was as good as it could possibly be. Going back to your question of one of the first things I did when I learned that I had cancer, I reached out to my network. I have an awesome network at EY, but in reaching out to my network, I was amazed at how many people had gone through this that I didn't even know uh, had gone through it. But by, by putting myself out there and saying, hey, I need help, I, I had so many people opening up their lives, sharing their stories with me, and I was able to take advice from each of these different people. I probably talked to a dozen people and really figure out what was going to work best for me because... The doctors hit you with so much information up front and so many good suggestions, but every individual is different. Each of the probably dozen women that I spoke with who had breast cancer, not one of us had the same story. And you got to find what's best for you. And so it gave me more to think about, not only about my own treatment, but, but also how I could help others going forward too. Yep. It's good to know that you are on the other side of this, Chris. So let me ask you one last question. Sure. You said you exercise, you go biking, you've started doing all of these things for yourself. But the listeners are saying, I'm already short of time. I don't have the time to do all of this for myself. Every minute that I spend on myself is that minute not doing my responsibility or not finishing what I'm supposed to for that day. So tell me, how did you find that time and what uh, advice do you have for the listeners? Well, I, I once had someone tell me that you make time for what's important to you. And I think what I found when I looked back, I was making time for everything else in my life but me. When I finally started making time for me, I had a much greater ability to prioritize how I was giving my time to others because I'm the only one that can manage me and manage my time. And my time is a gift to other people, just like their time is a gift to me. And I think I really started appreciating that I needed to value my time and how I cared for my energy if I expected others to value my time and care for it. So there, there is no best way of doing this, but it is finding that time to value your time and prioritize what's most important to you. That's a great last message. And I am also adding to that, like Chris said, put on the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on others. So I hope you've got many lessons out of this, but the main thing is that you are important and make time for yourself. Do you agree, Chris? Absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better. Beautiful wrap up. Thank you so much for this. Enjoyed talking to you. Enjoyed reconnecting and uh, hope to see you soon. Enjoyed reconnecting as well. Take care. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interaction as much as I did. And as always, here are my key takeaways from it. One. Tomorrow is not a given, and we know this well today with the current circumstances of COVID. 2. Know yourself. What interests you? What gives you energy? Make it part of your life to take the time to do what is important for you. Simply put, in the day-to-day -day grind, don't forget to take care of yourself. 
If you want others to value your time, then you need to value your time first. Three, be okay to be vulnerable with your friends, family, and colleagues. And in turn, give them the safe space to be vulnerable with you. Four, get yourself some good friends. Those who will be honest with you and help you look in that mirror. I personally like this life lesson very much because I am so blessed to have friends who don't hesitate to show me the mirror. For example, with this podcast, if I did not have friends who gave me their honest feedback, I probably would not have been recording this 44th episode. In conclusion, remember to put on your oxygen mask first. Make time for yourself and do those little things for yourself that you enjoy doing. And to play my part well, once I stop this recording, I will be going right over to sit by the window and enjoy my cup of tea. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well.